Today, women hold about 31% of board seats of the top 100 publicly listed companies on Bursa Malaysia. This is a great achievement and this is great progress, but I believe we must continue, for example, to advocate for DEI at the workplace, develop board-ready female candidates, provide access to board opportunities and support women in their journey so they can thrive and make the economic difference to businesses and the nation. That's what drives me to be part of this effort. You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their careers and life journeys. Today, we have Emiliana Bryce-Oxley. She is an incredible incredible woman. And we're looking so forward into you listening to more and hearing more about her story. Emiliana is an experienced global energy executive. While working at Petronas, she earned the 2019 Female Executive of the Year Award and in 2020 Distinguished Achievements Award, an offshore technology conference in Asia. And her outstanding, significant and unique achievements and extensive contributions to the energy sector have pushed for gender equality, which is really incredible, Emiliana. She holds a degree in geology from the University of South Carolina, management program from the Harvard Business School, and Emiliana started her career with Shell while she undertook various technical, managerial, and leadership roles in Malaysia, the UK, and the US before joining Petronas in 2012. As the VP of Exploration at Petronas, a global exploration ventures across Asia Pacific, West Africa, North and Latin America, and the search for high value material opportunities and in developing organizational capabilities. She serves as the director on numerous public and private listed companies and is currently an independent non-executive director for Hibiscus Petroleum Perhad. I hope I said that correctly, Emiliana. (laughs) EGS, ASA, Norway, and Athen Bank. She believes in developing talents and continues to mentor young female talents and leaders. That was a mouthful, but it was needed to say because how incredible this woman is. Thank you so much, Emiliana, for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Emiliana, truly an honor. I wanted to start with that. Jamie and I saw you a few years ago at a women conference and we were blown away by your experience. And we're so happy to have someone from the Asia geo market and bring flipping the barrel over. So we're so excited to get into your story. So let's start from the beginning. You grew up on a small Malaysian island. How did the push for education impact your life? Because you mentioned to us that around at the age of 14, you had to choose between science and art, which is something that you both liked. But you were selected through a national exam science and you were given the opportunity to be sent to boarding school, which shaped the future of your life later on. But that was an early age, 14 years old. Can you tell us, has this opportunity influenced your path? But also, what were some of the challenges of leaving the house at such a young age? I can't think of, you know, my daughter leaving at 14 or even me. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Right, right. I think it all has to do with how I was brought up. When I was little, my dad was my role model. He was well-read, and to me, he was this towering figure who seemed to know everything, and I wanted to be as smart as he was. And I had fond memories of my dad reading to me. He did not read stories of princesses or castles, but instead he read war stories. 
Now, I didn't understand many of the words in his books. They were big, difficult words for me, but I was impressed that my dad knew them. So at some point, I started reading the dictionary so I too could understand and the big words. And listening to my dad, it developed my love for reading. And I spent a lot of time at the public library reading as many books and all kinds of books that I could because my dad encourages to read. And that also helped me appreciate the importance of education, the importance of science, for example, and also the fact that my dad wanted one of us to be a doctor. I mean, you cannot be a doctor without good education. And of course, you can't be a doctor unless you have good understanding or good in the science subjects. When I was selected for the science stream at an early age, it wasn't really difficult for me to go along with it, despite having the choice also to do arts. For me, it seemed like a natural progression and something to be really proud of. I mean, especially considering what my dad wanted me to do. And to be selected to attend a science boarding school was a dream, a privilege, especially since only selected students from across the state could attend. And I was extremely excited. Now, that meant, of course, I had to leave home and be away from my mom. And of course, being away from mom had its challenges. I missed my mom dearly. And of course, the pampering that came with being the youngest in the family and At the boarding school, I had to do everything myself, but I learned very quickly to be independent and disciplined in managing myself and my time. And I also learned, for example, to manage my allowance, my laundry, and these were extremely valuable experience. They set me up for the next milestone in my life because I proved to myself and my mom that I'm independent, even at a young age, Mm -hmm. and I can take care of myself. And two years later, I was able to gain the confidence and also to give my mom the assurance that I would be okay to go and study in the U.S. That was quite a big step for me, but very useful and very helpful. Mm, I love that you shared that. And I think what's really important, too, is you mentioned a lot about your father and his influence. But unfortunately, when you were around 12 years old, after finishing primary school, your father had passed away putting the responsibility and care for the family on your mom. And that must have been another challenging time for you. And I'm curious on how your mother's responsibilities of changing, how that influenced you. I understand she was quite resourceful. And I remember you saying that she was like a Martha Stewart of her time. And this really impacted you and who you became today. So can you share with us a little bit about that resilience that she put into you and also how she made that adjustment and how that impacted your life moving forward? No, absolutely. And my mom and dad were such an inspiration to me. And my mom, my mom was an amazing woman and she was such an inspiration to me. But unfortunately, it was only years later that I truly realized this. And that's when I came across an article on CNN in 2020, an article by Kevin Powell, a well-known, I believe, figure or activist in the U.S. And he asked, the male students at a prestigious university, the question, what is a man? And the students replied, a leader, a protector, a caretaker, responsible, head of the house. And these are words that describe what a man is to them. And interestingly enough, these are the same words that easily describe my mom. Because to me, my mom was the head or the CEO of the house. Now, 
my mom used to take on the traditional housewife role, you know, doing household chores, cleaning, cooking, and taking care of the children while dad went to work. But with dad gone, she had to all of a sudden carry the burden of raising three young children on her own. In addition to her traditional mom role, she had to learn many new things, many new skills all on her own. For example, she had to learn how to manage the household budget, which dad used to do. And she also had to start a small business in order to supplement dad's pension. She expanded her recipe list so that she could supply to the local cafes or what we used to call coffee shops with her selection of cakes and delicacies. She became a businesswoman. And I also remember my mom ran a tight ship. My siblings and I were given clear tasks to support the business. It's either as kitchen help or delivery person. And looking back, I feel there was nothing that my mom could not do. If we need a new clothes or we wanted to decorate the house during festivities, she would get them all done. DIY style. She was the first master student as far as I'm concerned. And I'm so proud to say that my mom successfully raised my siblings and I, the last three children, and by the way, there's 10 of us, to be fully functioning human beings that she wanted us to be. And I learned from my mom that you can be resourceful, you can learn new things and new skills, and you can do and achieve so many things as long as you believe in yourself and you're willing to put in the effort. You can be a leader, whether it's leading yourself, your family at home or at work. You can be extraordinary. And most importantly, you can be all that regardless whether you're a man or a woman. And my mom was a really extraordinary woman. Wow, Emiliana, thank you so much for sharing such an inspirational oh, story. You know. <laughs> wow. For all the listeners, we have a lot of moms listening here because a lot of women listen to this. It's just remembering how impactful we are to our children. I think that's what the message is. And everything that we do in our careers, working moms, and we want more, at the end of the day, our children are looking up to us, which is the way you look up to your mom and look at how successful you are. But a lot of it came from your mom. So it's a good reminder of we need to watch how we act around our children and how we aspire for more is really teaching them that they also can do whatever they want to with their career ambitions in life. So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned your dad a lot. Uh, you mentioned there's 10 children as well. And he had a hope for one of you to become a doctor. And you were really good in science. You were chosen and selected for the boarding school. And you were on a mission that you were going to become a doctor. But during this time, you received a scholarship from Petronas, which is the national oil company. And since the age of 12, they've been kind of funding your, your studies. And they came to the school and they visited and they made a special announcement about you know, you being selected for a full scholarship to the United States. And that was a big pivotal moment for you where you realized you were going to maybe let go of that medical ambition that you had to become a doctor and ultimately switch career paths and go into geology as an alternative and maybe continue that oil and gas, um, you know, career that Petronas, you know, had and shared um, as an ambition for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yes. Uh, interestingly, you know, there, there, there were three nurses in the family already. So, so my dad wanted at least one of his children to be a doctor. And I believed I had the best chance of success uh, in becoming one. So I committed to that dream uh, even after dad passed away. So after the national exam, which is equivalent to GCSE or 11th grade, 
I enrolled in the pre-university uh, matriculation program. It's like putting one foot in the door for medical school at the local university. And, you know, one week, one week into the program, um, Petronas offices, that's what we called them then, uh, visited the school to speak to me and, and, and a few other students. And indeed, that's when I learned about the offer for a full scholarship to the United States. And I was extremely excited. There was a catch. I could only do medicine at the local universities or I can go to the U.S. and do something else. Difficult decision, right? But going to the U.S. was a dream that I didn't even dare to dream. So naturally, I was not willing to give up on that. I discussed several alternatives with the Petronas officer and finally agreed on geology because it sounded interesting and not because I knew much about it. So I decided there and then to give up my supposed lifelong ambition of becoming a doctor and do geology instead. Now, I know it's not a very inspirational story, I'm afraid, but I'm so grateful for making that choice because I realized much, much later, you always have to reflect on things before you realize things that's really good for you, that being a doctor was really wasn't my dream. It really was my dad's. So I guess, you know, you can say that Petronas saved me into doing something that I really love. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technique FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward, and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition, emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, go to technipfmc.com. And now, back to the show. I really like that you gave that reflection and really understanding. So I think as parents too, a lot of times we push our kids and kind of what we were dreaming not to always do or always become. And so I think it's important to validate those feelings as well. And I know when we talked, there was a really surprising turn in your story that really shocked me. And after all these years of Petronas giving you scholarships and watching you, I really thought you were going to tell me that you went right into working for Petronas. But at the time, actually, when you graduated, there was a challenging job market and Petronas really didn't have any availability to take you on. And however, though, your journey took a really interesting turn and you reached out to Shell, which despite knowing very little about the company, I think you said that you saw an informational billboard at an airport on Shell, and that was about as much as you knew. Can you go back to this time and tell us about what that interview was like and how you actually landed the spot working for Shell? Yeah, those were fun and exciting times. I vaguely remember writing to Shell and I was really thrilled when I got called 
for an interview for the position of a micropalaeontologist in Miri, Sarawak. And I had to fly from the island of Labuan to Miri. Like you said, and at that time, I didn't know much about Shell. I guess I was really only focused on Petronas then. And I remember, you know, back in the days, there was no internet, no Google for me to do a quick download on Shell. So I was really happy to be able to learn a little bit about Shell from the poster that was pinned inside a bulletin board at the airport. It wasn't even a billboard. It was a bulletin board. Well, that was 1986, right? That really was my preparation for the interview. And I remember meeting a number of important people at Shell, certainly the exploration manager, the chief geologist, the chief stratigrapher, the head of the paleontology department, and maybe someone from HR, I can't recall for sure. But I remember meeting one person at the time throughout the day. And I remember very, very clearly the interview that I had with the chief stratigrapher, because in addition to the usual interview questions, he showed me two things and asked me about them. One was the sea level curve, which must have been the first one published by Vale. Anyway, he asked me to talk about it, which I did. And the second was a piece of rock. He asked me what it was, and I got it right. Now, granites are some of the most recognizable, distinguishable rocks out there, but I still got it right. So that was helpful. But I guess it was more than just the sea level curve or the granite that impressed him. I took advanced paleontology and stratigraphy at university. That must have been helpful for what he was looking for. Anyway, I recall the chief stratigrapher said, you know, at the end of the interview, as far as I'm concerned, the job is yours. That was really exciting and really surprising. But of course, I had to go through the formal process. That was all I knew about Sheldon. Wow. So you ended up working at Shell, like you mentioned. But after a few years, you know, you came to the realization that you want to make more of a significant impact. I think a lot of us go through this in our careers where we look around at what we're doing and we think, you know, I could do something else. I could do something bigger. When the opportunity came for you to transition into a new role, there was a blend of excitement, but fear as well, which is normal. But this move meant transitioning away from being the expert in your domain and immersing yourself into a completely different world and different field. Can you elaborate a little bit on what inspired you to overcome these fears and share how you leaped your leap impacted your career later on as you ventured into a completely new world? Yes, that was indeed an important milestone in my career. At that time, I was heading the paleontology lab or department, having spent five years in biostratigraphy, I was contemplating doing something different. I felt that was important. My contribution just didn't carry the same significance or the same impact, say, as the work on prospect maturation for drilling. I wanted to do something that was more impactful to the business and business decision. And coincidentally, I was asked to join the regional geology team, a team that was filled with very experienced senior geoscientists. And I was excited, but I was also afraid at the same time because it meant letting go of something that I was good at and learning something new, which was seismic interpretation. I was certainly out of my comfort zone. However, the encouragement from Arthur, who was the head of the regional geology team and a colleague of mine in my team, helped me overcome my fear. Apparently, they believed in me and my potential, perhaps more than I did. And after 
several pep talk, I bolstered enough courage to make the move. And the move indeed was the first step that put my career on a totally different path from a specialist career path to one that is broader, exploration geoscientist and subsequently leadership role. So that was the first big step that also gave me the courage to be willing to try new roles and new responsibilities and to really step up to taking on different roles. Yeah, I'd really like to talk a little bit more about Arthur, because when you discussed taking this role, that was something that was very unique and not what your expertise were in. Arthur was a huge mentor of yours. He came into your office every day and wouldn't let you move on to the next step until you completely understood what you were doing, which is an incredible person to have in your corner. And he really was the foundation and he helped you build that foundation to who you became today. Can you tell us a little bit about why mentors are important in one's career and maybe even how someone can find a mentor or how you were able to find somebody like Arthur? Yes, absolutely. Arthur was the one who took me into the regional geology team and he really was a great mentor. When I joined his team, I had to build my seismic interpretation skills, like I said earlier, and he made me work on those long hundred kilometers of regional 2D seismic lines that transect the whole of the Sarawak offshore basins. Now, mind you, this was in the 80s, and these were extremely, extremely long paper sections of seismic lines. I don't know if you've seen one of those before, and you have to fold them like accordion. Anyway, mm -hmm. my first task was to identify seismic reflection terminations with red color pencils. And every morning, Arthur would come into my office, and we would talk about the seismic reflection terminations that I've identified the day before and what they meant. We would discuss them and we repeated the same exercise with the next regional line the next day and the day after that. And I remember clearly having red stains on my hands at the end of every day. And as you can see, Arta took a step-by-step -step approach to make sure I had a solid foundation in the fundamentals of hydrocarbon exploration of the basin. And he gave me the opportunity to do something outside my comfort zone. And he made time to teach and develop me so I could build the knowledge and experience that would help me grow in my subsequent roles. He encouraged me and he helped me build my confidence to step up. And that's why mentors like Arta are so important to one's career. How can you find a mentor? Now, a mentor can be formally assigned to you as part of your development plan. Mentors can also be your direct supervisor, although I think they sometimes blur the line between mentor and coach, kind of like what Arthur was to me, but it worked. Anyway, mentors can also be informal pairing with your peers or someone you admire. So if you're thinking of a mentor, I suggest within your existing network, think about people you currently work with or previously did. Do you know anyone who has achieved what you want to achieve or who has the skills and experience you admire or wish to develop? Reach out to these people and ask if they would be willing to mentor you. You can also join professional organizations. Many of these organizations offer mentorship programs and these programs can match you with a mentor who has similar goals and interests. Finding a mentor can be a rewarding experience because a mentor can provide you with guidance, support and advice as you navigate your career. But it's important to remember that the relationship between a mentor and mentee is a two-way street and both parties need to be invested in the relationship for it to be successful. And 
the mentor-mentee relationship that I had with Arthur was a really great example of how successful it could be. Thank you for sharing that. Um, a lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast have mentioned how mentorship was crucial to their career. Jamie and I see it. Definitely, it's important to try to find that support system because nobody makes it on their career alone without advice, a sounding board, help. And even us, anybody listening, you're going through your career, you could be a mentor to somebody younger in the organization or older, because to your point, Emiliana, it's a two-way street. Even if you're younger and you have a mentor that's more senior, it's they're learning from you as well. Try to find at least one or two people that can help you navigate your career. It's very important to your point. Another question we have for you, and we love talking about this when we have both men and women on, but it's you're a mother of two. You met your husband while you were a shell, actually one year straight into shell you met. And you were both geologists, so dual career, you're both working, both aspirational to continue your careers. At what point did you and your husband sit down and discuss career conversation of maybe who's the lead, who's going to take over in their career, who's going to take maybe a step back and sacrifice if one of us gets moved, you know, conversation that a lot of families who both working parents have to have. And can you tell us a little bit about the support system that you had in order to balance that professional and family life? Because you had children at a time where it's not like today, where you have a lot of flexibility, you can work from home, employers are a lot more open to women having children. I think you did it when it was actually quite challenging for you were able to manage. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, yes. I know for certain that my success at work is possible because of the great support that I have at home from my husband, my children, and my extended family. And my husband is one of my greatest supporters. He takes pride in everything I do. And by the way, he's currently the director of a data management company in Kuala Lumpur. We believe that raising a family is the responsibilities of both parents. So when we had our first child, there was no question as to who had to quit his or her job or take care of our son. It was more about finding the solution that would allow both of us to continue working and raise our newborn. And the answer for us was a live-in maid. And, you know, when it came to deciding which career would take the lead, we took the same approach. We always considered what was best for the family. This is because any decision that affect my career or my husband's career would surely affect the rest of the family. As my role and responsibilities progressively got bigger over time. My career also progressively took the lead, especially when my role required the family to relocate abroad. In that and in other instances, letting my career take the lead provided the family with the best outcome in terms of opportunities and life experiences. So that's how we made decision as a family, because individual decisions affect the family as a unit. Mm -hmm. And to the second part of your question, we've been very fortunate to have extended family support when we started our family, and more importantly, to have a living maid since our son was born. And since both my husband and I work, having a living maid was not an option, but a necessity, especially when we were abroad and away from our families in Malaysia. We simply couldn't manage, could not manage without the help. Mm -hmm. And since our maid had been with us for decades. She was like family. And we were very fortunate to have someone like her, caring and reliable. And we trusted her to take care of the children. 
For example, when we moved to London, to Aberdeen, the children were very young and she fed them and bathed them, drove them to and from school, helped them with the homework and played with them. Although my husband and I sometimes felt guilty having to rely on someone else to help raise our children, having someone like her gave us peace of mind when we went to work. And of course, she did the housework too, so that helped my husband and I balance our professional and family lives. We had more time to spend with the children when we were at home. And another example, when we moved to Houston, the children were older in high school, but we still needed her. Raising a family with both parents working full-time, it sounds amazing, sounds great, but, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And there is no super mom or super dad in this situation who can do it alone. We all need help and we realize that, we accepted that. If you do need help, do reach out. I really like that you brought into the point of we all need help and however that help looks to someone might be different than someone else. But at the end of the day, equally, all parents need help, especially in a dual career situation. And I think it's for moms and dads to not feel guilty about asking for that help because we're all doing it and it's normal to need it. So thank you for explaining what worked for y'all and how successful it was for the family and how she became part of the family. You mentioned about moving to Houston. So I'd like to jump to, as you were working in Houston, you had actually envisioned that you were going to retire from Shell. Then Petronas contacted you, which initially seemed like a casual call for golf or mall trips, which when you told me this, I thought it was so funny, but it brought me back to working international. When anybody came to Houston, it was like, take me to the outlet mall. So I could totally relate to you you just thinking they were calling for you to take them on a trip. However, this call was actually a job offer to become the senior general manager in Malaysia with the potential to be the vice president of exploration in the future, which required a difficult decision from you because you were kind of thinking you were going to retire from Shell. You had been with Shell for 25 years, longer than your marriage. (laughs) How did you navigate this choice? It had to have been really difficult. And I'm sure you had to go to your family And their reaction and discussions, I'd be so interested to hear, given probably the whole family, the kids, and everybody thought mom was going to retire. Here you are, full circle, going to go work for Petronas. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. It was not an easy decision for me. Living Shell never once entered my mind because I was very happy with the company, with my career, and the wonderful people that I've known throughout my career. And there was a plan to retire early. And I also realized that the decision would greatly impact my family. The thought of uprooting my family again, and we've done that several times already, was unbearable. But at the same time, the offer seemed exciting and and with potential for me to grow. So for weeks, I was unable to decide. So I set up a decision review board, DRB, with my family members as my advisors to help with the decision. I had my husband, my son, my daughter, my sister, and her husband, who also worked for Shell, to be part of the DRB. And it was really interesting because you know, everyone in the family supported the idea for me to join Petronas, even the children, knowing full well that if I accept the job offer, then my husband and I would return to Kuala Lumpur and they would have to stay behind on their own. At that time, my son was a sophomore at UT and my daughter was just about to enter St. Edwards University. But regardless, they were all for mom to join Petronas. And if you recall my early conversation, family support has always been important to me and it's been key to my success at work. 
the unanimous support was extremely meaningful to me. It was really helpful too. But there were still other concerns. I was asking myself, why me? What was I expected to do? And could I do it? Because these questions were playing in my mind. There were days, I remember, when I was really excited and really looking forward to doing something new. There were days when I would be in tears and days when I was really angry at having the option to choose. I mean, imagine that, being angry because you have option. I was fortunate to meet with the EVP of Upstream Petronas, who was visiting Houston at that time. And I was told that my experience and track record would be of significant help in the transformation that Petronas was going through at that time. Now, although I wasn't yet sure of the specifics in the transformation I needed to deliver, the conversation nudged me towards Petronas. So that was helpful. I was won over by the thought of contributing to the company and to the nation. I mean, Petronas is the national oil company. And also the fact that Petronas would connect with me all the way in Houston, it played at my pride. So um, backed by strong family support and the genuine belief that I could contribute to make a difference, I joined Petronas in 2012 as the Senior General Manager of Exploration Malaysia. And two years later, I was promoted as the Vice President of Exploration Malaysia. And in 2016, as the Vice President of Exploration Upstream Business. And it was a wonderful 10 years with Petronas. And and, and I'm really glad that I made that decision. What an incredible story that you have. And even after 25 years at Shell, to your point, you were still taking risks and switching up your career. And I think that's what you need to do sometimes to keep being successful is really getting out of your comfort zone. And Shell and Petronas are probably, if I had to guess, very different as well in terms of how they run and just culture-wise. So maybe for you, it's also you're coming into a completely new company that you've known for 25 years how one works. So you've got a lot to learn on the other side and moving back to where your roots are from. And also they were paying for your educations from 12 years old. I think there is also a, I want to give back. But you know, I think what the most amazing thing is, I don't think there's that many women at your position when you were at Petronas, let's say in the Asian geo market. So I think mentorship-wise and just aspirational wise, you must have moved a lot of women who were in their careers to see someone be placed at such a high level in a company. And so I think that's really amazing because you've motivated a lot of women that they can do it too, because they see it and representation matters. And to end, we had a question on what you've been doing for the last few years since you retired from Petronas. You retired last April. You wanted to take a break before you got back into work because you weren't ready to go sit on the beach and never work again. You're very ambitious and you still felt like you could give so much to this industry and even for yourself. So with 35 years of experience under your belt, you realized that you wanted to continue making contributions. And you're currently a member of the 30% Club and actively mentor women leaders through the involvement with lead women. Furthermore, you serve on the board of three publicly listed companies. That is huge. There's not that many women on boards and now you're on three. I think that's very motivating as well. And just to see that you're continuing to influence other companies. Can you elaborate a little bit on what keeps you driven and keeps you wanting to contribute more? And what have you learned joining the program of the two leading women organizations? Yeah, sure. You know, during the six month break, I realized that I was contented and not to work full time. I really enjoyed being in control of my time. However, 
the purpose that I hold dear, which is to contribute to make a difference, it's not something I can ignore. It's the reason that led me, for example, in my previous role, to push for the transformation in the exploration growth strategy, the internal processes, the technology, as well as talent development. Because when the people around me felt inspired to be greater, empowered to speak up, and take on new challenges and be more successful for themselves and the organization, I felt the greatest sense of achievement because making a difference or creating change that is lasting, whether that's to the organization or individuals in the organization, is very much in line with my purpose. And it's this same purpose that continues to drive me today. And my 35 years experience in the corporate world, in the energy industry, have given me a wealth of knowledge and insights that I believe I can share with others. Hence, I believe I can contribute and serve on boards as well as mentor women leaders. And when it comes to mentoring, when I was in Petronas, I mentored actively and I continue to do so today. It's my way of paying it forward to show my gratitude to the many people, the mentors and the sponsors who supported me in my leadership journey and also to lift other women's like others have lifted me. And this fits very well with the 30% Club with Lead Women, both are advocates for gender parity in boardrooms and senior leadership. And for information, today, women hold about 31% of board seats of the top 100 publicly listed companies on Bursa, Malaysia. This is a great achievement and this is great progress. But I believe we must continue, for example, to advocate for DEI at the workplace, develop board-ready female candidates, provide access to board opportunities and support women in their journey so they can thrive and make the economic difference to businesses and the the nation. That's what drives me to be part of this You're absolutely incredible. I just remember when I first spoke with you, I could have literally just heard you talk forever and hours on about your career and you're just so inspiring. I'm just so glad that you said yes to coming onto the podcast. I feel like so many people are going to hear your story and feel inspired today. And just for you to continue to giving back to the world and to energy and to women in this space means so much to us and everything that you do is not being unseen. So we definitely notice it's a huge improvement. Like you said, 30% of board members, that's honestly a very big jump. And we're so happy to hear that and continue to see that progression. I just want to say thank you again so much for coming on and just being vulnerable and speaking about your past and sharing just all the stories from the boarding school to your father passing and what that meant to you, to your mom becoming Martha Stewart and to you and your career journey has just been very exciting. And I know that it has inspired me and definitely makes me feel, especially as a mom, that there's nothing that we cannot do as women. And you're a clear example of that. So thank you again for coming on today. And thank you very much for having me. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you and make sure to stay up to date on www.flippingthebarrel.com. Thank you. See you on the next one.